John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Michael Bumpus. Uh, and Michael, of course, I guess one of the big conversation pieces today seems to be, all right, what to do with Chris Carson. Uh, give him a contract extension. Wait till after the season to get him a contract extension. Franchise him or uh, figure out some kind of a deal. I might get the feeling that uh, if you're Chris, you know, you're actually thinking you're a top five back in this league. And he is a very good back. But I don't think in free agency he's going to be able to command that top five type of money and you know you saw melvin gordon a two-time pro bowler from the chargers who turned down 10 million dollars a year on a two-year deal uh in with the chargers he left and ended up having to take two years at 16 so what do you think is going to be the price and what do you think he might be willing to accept what do you think that deal could be uh john you're right i he thinks he's a top five running back i think Talent-wise, he is. Um, Numbers-wise, obviously, there are a bunch of guys in front of him. And I think he's going to be around six to $8 million a year, John. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think that's where he is, especially where the game is going, how the game is played nowadays, and the offense that, this, that we're seeing out there. We're seeing a lot of spread offenses. You need running backs who, who need to catch the football out the backfield, which he can do. He's shown that. But he's just a product of his circumstances this year. Like, they're not using him the way that they did last year. If this was... The, the offense that was in 2019 and he was about to hit the market, I think he will make more money. But numbers are leverage, and right now he doesn't have that leverage, but I do believe talent-wise he's one of the best. Yeah, but I think uh, – with and I, I kind of think, and uh, Brock and I – uh, Rock Hewitt was on today, and you, you know you were talking to him too. Is that he's thinking you know eight million dollars a year, and honestly, yeah. I think that's not a not a bad price. I think that's that's where the number should come in. And if you're going to be Chris Carson, because the one thing, if you're Seattle, you know, if you're going to be doing a big deal, uh, and that's why I think they're not, is that uh, you know part of the reasons that you know you're able to get the big money for guys like Alvin Kamara, you know, four or five year deal, and you know for the uh, all the other running backs. Joe Mixon and that is that you realize you have to kind of backload the contract because the cap is going to be ridiculous next year, maybe 175 million, and it's going to be probably tight in uh, 2022. And so you need to backload it. And if you're Seattle, I mean, what you would rather do is be able to uh, do like a two-year deal. Maybe you do a three-year deal, but you know the money that's going to be bumped up is going to be more in year three than it's going to be in year one or two. That's why I think a two-year deal might be the best for Chris because then you're, you can be available when the bigger money's starting to be there. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, on his end, that, that definitely makes sense. You get a two-year, and hopefully in that third year you get something done. Um, I just, you know, I almost feel bad for him because, you know, again, he's just a product of his of this circumstances with the salary cap, with his offense going down or the road that they're going down and passing the football. It seems like he's less viable to this team than what he really is. But I also think there's still time for him to add value to himself. There's going to be a time, John, where this offense is going to lead on him to win football games, maybe two or three times this year. So far, we haven't seen that. So he just needs to be patient. Uh be available, stay healthy is the main thing, right? The last couple of years he hasn't been healthy. So if he can prove that he's healthy and if he can have a couple 120-yard games, rushing yard games that we've seen in the past, that will help That will help him, but there are some things that are out of his control. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that I think that he's got to look at, too, is that that injury history is going to try to play against him. And, you know, uh, if he goes out in the market, uh, you know, he could end up getting much less. Now, the other option for Seattle would be to franchise him because that number, if you go back to 2011 or 2012, when there was a flat cap, you know, it was and and we're talking flat. It was like an increase of like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It went down for all franchise players, 20 percent. And now you're talking about a decrease of 20 to 23 million dollars. And now what you're looking at is the possibility of maybe a 30, 35 percent reduction of a 10 point uh, 10 plus million dollar deal that could take it to even in the sevens. Yeah, John, I'm just going to lean on you for the for the numbers, man. It uh, it all it all makes sense. And again, Chris Carson, just be patient. If if he wants a long long term deal, he's probably not going to get it, and is is in his best interest not to take it. Honestly, I would look at a franchise tag if I were him. Just get your franchise tag. Try to build your value once again. Again, the name of the game for him is just being patient and staying healthy. Oh yeah, no doubt. So, uh, you know, Cassius Marsh was just cut by the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars after they pick up uh, Camille Correa uh, in a trade from the Tennessee Titans. So, uh, what's your thoughts on would Marsh be somebody the Seahawks should consider bringing back? And you know, he has to be a candidate to go to the Arizona Cardinals team he played with last year that uh, lost Chandler Jones. Yeah, you, obviously you have to take a look at that guy, especially because he's playing a position that this defense needs help on. He's familiar with the with the area. He's familiar with the football team. So, yeah, you take a look at him. Everything's on the table, I feel like, as far as that defensive line. And when you can bring a guy who's familiar, that's even better. You know what he can, what he brings to the table. Now, he's a bit on the older side, so you can't expect too much of him. But more guys in the rotation at that D-line spot, the better. Yeah, no doubt. So I think that's, that's going to be one to look at. And, uh, you know, the uh, idea is now it's like, OK, uh, we flip back to a negotiation. Uh, what kind of deal do you think could uh, be acquired by Shaq Griffin? Shaq Griffin, man, right now he's playing like he's one of the best corners in the league. And I, I'm not sure after starting out are. as one of the worst. Yeah, started one of the worst. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the last couple of years, he hasn't even really touched the football. He had one pick that was called back right now. If if he were to try to negotiate a deal right now, he deserves top dollar, I would believe. You know, he's two picks. He's staying on top of things. He looks a lot more comfortable and confident. Now, this is a it's a marathon. It's not a race. He's still got to continue to perform. But the way that he's performing right now, he is one of the best corners in the league. And it's crazy how fast that can change. Last year, guys were calling for him, and he's not worth this. He's not worth that. Um, He still has made some mistakes, still have gotten beaten up top. But that's the life of a DB. You're going to get beat up top every now and then. It's more about turning the ball overs. That's what this defense does the best, and he's leading the charge in that. Yeah, and, of course, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I think the interception thing – maybe is not underrated, but uh, maybe a little overrated because uh, Byron Jones, who only had two interceptions in his career in Dallas, ended up getting $16.5 million uh, to go down to the Miami Dolphins. And say what you want, it's like I think we all know how good Jamal Adams is and what he only has two interceptions in his career. So, uh, you know, that interception thing, you know, can be a little bit going because, again, it still comes down to you've got to be the one making the uh, plays and not giving up the big yards. Michael, are you there? I think Michael dropped. We'll Ooh. work on getting him back. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so honestly, what you're looking at is that, uh, you know, I'm thinking more in that $14 million range for Shaquille. And, again, the problem that all players are facing coming up that are negotiating into next year is that you may not get your true value. 
And that where you may not get your true value is because, again, the cap is going to be so tight and you have fewer teams. I mean, you're going to have more teams letting players go than necessarily uh, you know, acquiring players because that's just going to be the case. I mean, cases like teams like New Orleans and Philadelphia and Atlanta, maybe Green Bay to a certain degree, they can't pay top dollar because, one, they've got the quarterbacks ready. And that's the thing, uh, Michael. It's like, uh, you know, I hope that a lot of the players and a lot of the agents understand that you, you, you may be worth this, but you may not be able to get that. Yeah, it's a it's a funny game you have to play during free agency. Everyone has their own value. They have their own worth. And a lot of times players buy themselves a little higher than what they really are. And you can't blame them for doing that. You have to be confident in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. But you also have to look at certain team situation. Everybody just can't be thrown top dollar. Every team's salary cap is different. Um, who's coming in? Who's going out? Who's on a long-term deal? So, their job is just to explore every situation and then break it down to, okay, do I want to get paid top dollar? Do Or do I want to go to a team that's winning? Or do I want to go back home? Like There are other things that factor in to players' decisions, and it's contingent on where they are in their career. I spoke to, I think, uh, Paul Gallant earlier, and I'm like, all right, man, a guy who's made his money early, first-round pick, all this guaranteed money, he's in his second or third contract, he's more likely to go to a team where he just feels like they're going to win. Now, a guy who's a free agent who hasn't really made his money yet he might go to a to a team that's not very good just to get that money so for every scenario there's different things that factor into it no doubt about it uh so michael i thank you so much have yourself a great day today you've had a pretty pretty long uh, morning uh you know coming doing the morning show and of course uh being with me and of course hope you get a chance to rest up a little bit I shall try, John. Have a good one, man. All right, sounds good. Michael Bumpus joining us. And uh, you can uh, listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we are going to get the report card going, get some grades. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. Today we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes, we take social media comments and the voices, and we attach a grade to it. Curtis Rogers, as he does each day, gives us the report card. So what do we have today? Well, John, let's get started with, uh, well, we talked about him a little bit in Behind the Lines. That'd be the New York Jets and just the garbage that is emanating from that stadium over in New Jersey. Well, Adam Gase had his press conference yesterday and was asked about Le'Veon Bell and just what went into the decision to release him after less than two seasons on the job. Here is what Gase had to say about Le'Veon Bell. Well... I mean, that's what he would yeah, have said. Yeah, I didn't want to say much. Yeah, I mean, uh, but basically Adam Gase saying that he's irrelevant to what's going on in New York and that uh, there is just a lot of uh, you know stuff we've got more taken care of here. So, John, what do you make of Adam Gase saying that Le'Veon Bell is irrelevant to what's going on? Uh, I think he's relevant because I think it shows you what a mess this is. So I'm giving Adam an F on this one you know, because you know what, what ended up happening. It's like, okay, originally he did not want Le'Veon Bell because he doesn't want a high-paid running back. All right, that's fine. But it's like talk to your general manager and make sure that he doesn't do that. And guess what? He did it. And, of course, the general manager ended up getting fired. And so last year it was a disaster. They couldn't get anything out of Le'Veon. Uh, he had three. 3.2 yards a carry, and so that was a disaster. Then you come back, and this is why it's a symptom of Adam more than it is Bell. I mean, he goes back, and about a month ago, 
plays a game and gets in the second quarter and gets a, a tight hamstring. Bell stayed on the field, but Gaze didn't take him out. And sure enough, the hamstring injury is going to be bad after being out there for five plays that he had to end up uh, putting him on the injured reserve list for three weeks. Then you come back and he, you misuse him. He wanted to be used more and they didn't. And he goes on social media. So again, it just is a symptom of what is wrong with the Jets. And so much of it is, unfortunately, Adam Gaze. Yeah, here is that audio from Adam Gaze. You think he can still be a productive back in the league? I'm sure he'll get he'll get an opportunity somewhere else, and we'll see what happens. Do you agree with the perception that you misused him? Uh, it's it's irrelevant at this point. Yeah, but I, you know, Adam, when a team makes a, a free agent investment that large and it ends before two seasons, I think the fans are interested in knowing why it didn't work out with a player of that stature. Yeah, it didn't work out. It didn't work out, and we're gonna focus on this game right now. Yeah, kind of ice cold from Adam Gase uh, yeah, about yeah. his former player there. Uh, also, John, the trade wins in the NFL, they're blowing pretty hard right now because we're just, what, three less than three weeks yeah, away three from weeks, the yeah. trade deadline, which is also the same day as Election Day. Uh, one team that could be in the market to make a move, uh, a team where there was a lot of expectations heading into the season, that would be the 49ers because... Right now, things are not going their way. Dominique Foxworth and Dan Graziano of ESPN, uh, they were on NFL Live yesterday, and they were talking about a potential trade they had in mind for the 49ers that would get them, I guess, right. Here's what they had to say. I think that we could see Matt Ryan out west and the Falcons trying to rebuild around the draft picks that they get for that trade. Not only did I like that, but I, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Graziano start nodding his head over here. When the insider is nodding along, you like the sound of that. Can we get his mic on here? You like the sound of that, maybe, Matt Ryan. To very, very intelligent breakdown of the situation because, as we've talked about many times on this show, it's a year-to-year commitment with the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo contractually, and Matt Ryan doesn't make a whole lot more money than Jimmy G does. Makes a lot of sense. So, John, how would you grade the possibility of Matt Ryan getting dealt midseason to the 49ers, a team that already has Jimmy Garoppolo under contract? I feel like that would have to be part of the trade is Garoppolo yeah. going back to Atlanta for Matt Ryan. How, how would you grade doesn't, that? It doesn't work. Flat yeah. out does not work. And the reason it doesn't work is that, uh, you know, the 49ers are in that cap pinch next year, right? And, uh, you know, because they've got so many free agents. I mean, think about the problems that they have. Their top four corner, four of their top five cornerbacks are up, right? In fact, no, they're top five because that includes Kawan Williams, who's one of the better slot cornerbacks in the league. So you got all the cornerbacks that are up. Then you have uh, your left tackle, Trent Williams. Uh, he's up. You got Kyle Yusick, who's so important to that offense. He's up. You know they're going to have to let a couple offensive linemen go. They're going to have to let D Ford uh, go. Same thing with uh, Quam Alexander. And now you're going to have all this money tied up in quarterbacks. It just doesn't make any sense. And again, it's like what's what's going to turn the table? I mean, if you get Matt Ryan, which again maybe in the off season you consider it, but I, I don't think they're going to have the cap room to be able to make that trade. And you're probably going to get a pretty good draft choice because these next seven games for the 49ers are going to be tough and they very well could be out of the playoff race and onto a losing record by November. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's a thought because you reunite Shanahan with Matt Ryan, but also uh, you basically have to let so many players go to make that trade. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I give it about a D plus, especially if the 49ers are going to 
to be a team that doesn't make much noise in 2020. Mm -hmm. And with how good this quarterback draft class is going to be, I mean, even if you don't get Trevor Lawrence at number one overall, there's still the possibility of Justin Fields from Ohio State, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, two of those quarterbacks uh, looking real good. Uh, to a lot of NFL talent evaluators, there is plenty of quarterback talent beyond Trevor Lawrence in this year's draft. I don't know if you need to hitch your wagon to Matt Ryan, who may only have you know two, three, four seasons left in the NFL. Uh, and you know, like you said, John, the finances of this move don't work out either for the 49ers. I mean, yeah, it's tantalizing to picture Matt Ryan back in in Kyle Shanahan's offense, but. Uh, it, the dollars and cents don't make sense in this move, so I, I don't see it happening. And if you were the Seahawks, you already beat Matt Ryan once this year. I don't think that's a move that would really send shivers down anybody's spine in the NFC West either. No, exactly. And that's the thing that's so sad, I guess, for the 49ers is that uh, how fast they can be out of it. Because you know the the thought going into the season is that uh, just like Seattle, I mean, the fa- the schedule is favorable in the sense that you can get off to a real fast start. They didn't. Now they're paying the price. They did. And then, John, also on the report card today, Russell Wilson, he's making the rounds during the bye week because, well, he can't travel anywhere, so he might as well just do a bunch of media appearances. He did, uh, I think he did first take earlier in the week. He did Bill Simmons' podcast. Last night he was on with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter and was asked about his connection with DK Metcalf, which has become uh, maybe even a greater connection than what he has with Tyler Lockett. Russ was talking about DK and just kind of what he has uh, in store for him during his career. Here's what he had to say. You know, he's old school in his approach. You know, he's, I kind of mentioned the other day, he's kind of, he's kind of like a Jerry Rice in terms of his approach, in terms of his, in terms of his work ethic. And I think that work ethic sets the tone, you know, and so he's got a long ways to go before he's Jerry Rice. I'm not letting the rookie blow up his head here too easy, but the reality (laughs) is, is that he's got the work ethic to get there and, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can build that Joe Montana, Jerry Rice type relationship. We heard Chris Collinsworth on the NBC broadcast on Sunday night. Well, those who were watching on TV, John, you were obviously doing sidelines, so you didn't get to hear it. But Chris Collinsworth said that Russ had mentioned in the production meeting that he envisions a, a Jerry Rice like connection uh, with himself. And, and there he is again, reiterating that point. Uh, with Scott Van Pelt, I mean, Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver to ever do it. I don't know if there's much uh, you know, debate about that in NFL circles. That is some high yeah. praise for DK Metcalf, John. How are we grading Russ envisioning a Joe Montana to Jerry Rice connection? I give it a B. I mean, again, I hope that Tyler Lockett's not mad at it, but what yeah. I give it a B is that, uh, you know, which you look at his numbers for the first 21 games, and, you know, they're, they're not better than Randy Moss, but it's better than uh, uh, certainly uh, Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones. Uh, certainly better. And again, he's getting better each week. So I think there's legitimacy to it and so uh i give him a b i think that's a a very fair grade for russell wilson's comments on dk metcalf because the thing about him the thing about dk is that we don't know what his ceiling is so any comparison out there i feel like is fair game because who knows how he's going to be five six seven eight years from now if he's able to avoid injuries in his career, and obviously we know what kind of physical specimen is, we know how hard of a worker he is and just how much he wants to be great in the NFL and, and the motivation he drew from getting passed on so much in the 2019 NFL draft, I, I mean, the sky is truly the limit for DK Metcalf. Uh, I mean, Jerry Rice is obviously a lofty goal to have, but Russ puts it out there, I imagine... 
he, he's putting it out there for a reason because he thinks DK can can be an all-time great in this league. So uh, that is it for today's report card, John. Okay, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we are going to go ahead and go into Busy Hard Seltzer text line, taking your text questions, so you can text us at 710-710. We're there for the answers. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It's time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line. So text us at 710-710. Curtis Rogers, what do we have? John, let's get it started here from the 425. They want to know, who do you think will have a better week this week, Jared Goff or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Uh, Jared Goff or Ryan Fitzpatrick? I would go with uh, Jared Goff because, again, he's a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, He's going against a San Francisco defense that's down several cornerbacks, a defense that struggles uh, with the pass rush and all that. So I'd give the edge right now to Jared Goff. 425 wants to know, John, how is Le'Veon Bell's health right now, and do you think he gets a deal done today? Uh, Very well could get a deal done today. Now, again, remember, uh, it's going to take him, once he does make an agreement, six days to kind of surface on that team. But I think he'll want to get something done because then he can at least be available for practice early next week. So I'd have to say that uh, he, he probably should get something done today. 253 wants to know who has been Seattle's best offensive lineman other than Dwayne Brown. Mm, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I'd have to say that uh, you're Damian Lewis. Because Damian Lewis, I know Pro Football Focus gives him just great grades. And so, you know, there's been you know a little up and down with Dwayne Brown. I think Ethan Posick is off to a really good start at center. I think that uh, Brandon Shell's done a great job. I mean, again, I still go to the ESPN analytics site, and one of the things that they have, and they kind of pair it off with next-gen stats, is that uh, you know they were winning 66% of their uh, battles in pass blocking, which, of course, that's always been the big problem for this team in the uh, last couple of years. And... That's fifth best in the league. So something's better. And I just honestly thought that you know getting some youth and bigger bodies on this line was going to work out because Shell's better, I think, than Jermaine Effetti. Uh, I think that you can see that Lewis right now has been doing a better job than DK, DJ Fluker. And Posick right now is holding up the center position. And you know, you got Yapati and Jordan Simmons has done a good job. And still, that steady hand is Dwayne Brown. 253 wants to know, John, what's the latest on Justin Britt? Saw he had worked out with the Packers recently. What's going on with him? Uh, nothing. Just, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's hard right now for guys coming off ACL injuries to, to get work. I mean, we're seeing that with Michael Kendricks. We saw it with Justin Britt. I mean, Britt's made trips to Seattle and Green Bay. And then uh, you've got Michael Kendricks. He, uh, I think, I don't know if he went to Detroit in the next move or anything like that. But, I mean, it's it's a tough one right now. 425 wants to know, when is Richard Sherman expected to return? I think next week, not this week. Uh, He had a little bit of a setback with that calf injury because it was supposed to be this week that he could come off the injured list, but it's just not ready yet. So I don't know how bad the setback is, but they're thinking more next week. 253 wants to know, which quarterback do you expect to take over for Drew Brees next year, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? I would hope it would be uh, Jameis Winston, but I don't know if they can afford him. I know they could afford him when he gives him a scholarship a year where he takes, what, one million bucks. But, uh, you know, Taysom Hill, I just don't know if you can trust him. 
I mean, he's had so limited in this play, and he's like 31, 32 years old. And so I, I would tend to think you got to look at Winston. Yeah, I have never understood the love affair that Sean yeah. Payton has for Taysom Hill. Well, I mean, particularly with the cap issues that they have. Yeah, they're paying him what sixteen million this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ten million a year on a two-year deal. Yeah. No, I mean, thank I you. Get it. Uh, the two five three wants to know: Will the addition of Snacks Harrison take any reps away from Puna Ford? Uh, I'd say some, yeah. Because I think what it's going to come down to is that uh, you know how they do on the early downs. Because again, you know these guys. Because you know Jaron Reed is. It probably takes a little bit off of Jaron Reed's plate because again he's the one that has to be available on all downs. You know, because again he can stop the run and he can put some pass rush on there. So it'll take maybe some away, but it, not initially because I don't think they're going to overdo it with him. This one from the five hundred three. They want to know John. Uh, they say A.J. Green doesn't want to get traded from Cincinnati, but do you see him getting moved before the deadline? No, I don't. That's that's not the I mean, the Bengals aren't a trade team. You know, they're kind of, you know, because of the Brown family, they're old school. They don't like to do that. They like to stay with the players that they've drafted. They like to get contract extensions on them, even though they don't give the biggest money. But no, I think that uh, if anything happens, they have to make the decision after this season whether to franchise them or not. And they may not do that. But I think at the moment he'll be there this year. This one from the 253. They want to know, does Chandler Jones' injury take Arizona out of playoff contention? Uh, very well could, yeah. I mean, because, again, they were a borderline team anyways as far as playoffs. You know, I think most people thought that uh, if their defense could be better, they can get to seven wins, maybe eight. Some thought they can get to nine. But I think that you, know, you lose a pass rusher like that who's had more sacks than any other player in the league since 2016, it's hard to recover. Another one from the 509. They want to know, do you think an NFC East team wins the division with a losing record this season? I could almost guarantee it. I mean, I think it's pretty evident to see that that's going to be the case because it's so bad right now. Uh, and I think Dallas has the best chance because you know, at least Andy Dalton can kind of manage things with the talented offense they have. And what it comes down to, if they can go 5-1 and one in the division, then you know you have all those teams with probably five, five wins or less, and they can win it maybe with six, six or seven. A different 509 number wants to know, John, between Atlanta, Carolina, and New Orleans, which of those three teams is the best in the NFC South? Uh, I think Carolina is in. Yeah, Carolina's in there. I mean, I still think it's New Orleans over Tampa Bay, and then Carolina. You know, they're they're going to be a good team next year. They're doing great this year, but I don't think they're a playoff team this year. Two five three wants to know, John. Does Andy Dalton's situation in Dallas is that better than he's ever had in Cincinnati right now? Well, let's put no, it's not. It's like uh, he he's got to play for uh, on a team that has a defense that's giving up over thirty points a game. He didn't have that in Cincinnati. I mean, remember he went to, he came back and he remember this was the lockout year in two thousand and eleven, and he established himself early and had five straight trips to the playoffs. Now they didn't win a playoff game, but still he went to the playoffs five straight years. Right now, what you're looking at is maybe on a six win team that he six or seven win team you know he can go to the playoffs but he's not going to win 425 wants to know how many sacks will lj collier finish with this season uh maybe four at the most four or five i mean because again he's the five technique so he's not necessarily going to get the big numbers because he's not michael bennett but i'd say four or five 253 wants to know which afc contender would be the toughest match or would be the best matchup 
for the Seahawks in a Super Bowl scenario? I'd say going against, because uh, you don't want to go against Kansas City. I'd, I'd say Baltimore. That would be the best matchup because, again, it's a running team. They're not running the ball as much. It still has a good defense, but I'd say, and, but they're not on the par where they were last year. And so I'd say Baltimore. This one from the 360. When do you expect Philip Dorsett to come back? Week six. I mean, uh, he's had five weeks on that foot, and you have to think that the foot is not needing surgery or anything like that, so I'd say week six. 253 wants to know, John, which current Seahawks could could potentially be involved in a trade deadline trade? Mm, I'm wondering about B.J. Finney. Like, for example, if the Steelers have one more injury on the at guard and maybe if anything happens to Marquise Pouncey, would they would maybe give a low draft choice to be able to get him back? Because, again, it's like uh, they liked him. It's just that uh, you know they weren't able to be in the cap position to be able to afford, what, the $3.5 million that he gets. I mean, you know, a team like Pittsburgh, that, so I can think that he could be one uh, because, again, he's just not playing here. So that could be, I think, one of the considerations. Not, it's, again, it's going to be a low draft choice. That would be about it. From the 425, they want to know, with Seattle having limited picks in the 2021 draft, do you think they use the franchise tag on a player and swap them for picks? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, because, again, it's like the franchise tag would have Because, again, it's going to be a discounted franchise tag. But, you know, they, they want the franchise tag to keep players, not necessarily to get picks. And I don't know if there's a trade market for, for Chris Carson. I don't know if there's a trade market for Shaquille Griffin. 253 wants to know, John, do you think New England signs Cam Newton to an extension? No, I don't. I think what will end up happening is that, uh, you know, because they'll, they'll, now they believe still in Jarrett Stidham. We'll see where they finish. But, you know, he's going to be asking for top dollar because, again, he may be that good. And I don't know if they want to pay. Because remember, I mean, they have the greatest quarterback of all time, and he had to go seven or eight, seven years at discounted type of deals. So I think that uh, you know they let him go and get a third-round compensatory. That is it for today's text questions. Okay, coming up next, we got our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so uh, it's kind of interesting on the Le'Veon Bell situation. Uh, he's down to three teams. He's trying to decide where to go, Miami or go to the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills. And the irony of that is that, uh, not in this particular order, but those are the next three games that the New York Jets play. John, i got to be honest, I don't care about Le'Veon Bell today. You're, you're in baseball today, right? You got... <laughs> Precisely, man. You've got, uh, you got a fascinating couple of ball games today. You know, Clayton Kershaw has been just about the best pitcher in, in baseball, and, and he has got uh, another opportunity or... Is it to um, you know to add to his or detract from his postseason legacy? He had a great start against Milwaukee in, in the postseason, then uh, missed his last start, back spasms. So he's he's going today. The Dodgers stayed alive yesterday. Scored what was that? Eleven runs in the first inning, and you know Kershaw's got the game six of the 2013 NLCS. Just looking at it on ESPN here, we allowed seven runs in four innings. Uh, he's got the game six of the 2016 NLCS, five runs in the first five innings of a loss to the Cubs. Game five of 2017 blew a four run first inning lead. Has one good one uh, mixed in there. He had a, a good start in game four of the 2015 NL Division Series. But, um, this is probably the best Dodger team in, in, in the run that they've had. 
Kershaw's had a really big year, so I mean, the, the, you got that one game going and that fa- fascinating start there, and then Dusty Baker, who stays alive yesterday, the Astros stay alive yesterday, in their game is going with a guy who hasn't started a game all year in the postseason, hasn't pitched at all in the postseason, a 22-year-old rookie. So it's uh, it's high stakes gambling today in baseball. It really is. How do you how do you think it's going to turn out? Well, uh, you know, Luis Garcia is the guy pitching for uh, for the Astros. Like I said, he's 22. Actually, the the uh, Braves are going with a 22-year-old starter. But uh, it's it's different in, in both these games. Uh, you know, both Atlanta and and Tampa are of the same school, and and I guess Garcia is going to be the same way. You really got one true starter going today, in Clayton Kershaw, and the rest of it is is kind of a glimpse into into the future of, of baseball and, and and pitching the way it's going to be. Uh, John Curtis is starting for Tampa. He's an opener. Period. Um, I mentioned Garcia is starting for uh, Houston. He is an opener as well. Uh, you got the same thing going on with Atlanta, and you know that's the future of pitching. Uh, we're seeing it. Uh, you know, a guy like Clayton Kershaw, six or seven inning starter, and there are a few of them out there, are, are going to become extinct here fairly soon. Um, you know, it's not going to happen immediately. You still got you still got a need, especially over. They haven't figured it out roster wise. Are you going to do a 162 game season with a bunch of guys who can only go throw three or four innings, tops? But that's the direction it's going in, and it's already the direction it's in in the postseason. So uh, I think it's two fascinating games. I, I think in both cases, the, the, the World Series matchup of a year ago stays alive. The Dodgers aren't in an elimination game yet. It's, it feels like one because of the way they lost the first two. But And if you go down 3-1, you got what about a 15% chance of winning. But I think Houston staves off elimination for one more day. And, and I think, you know, uh, it, it's just so fascinating with Kershaw because he's had – such struggles in the postseason when he's, his ERA is about two runs per game higher, but I think uh, I think he stepped up and had the big game today. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. No doubt. So that that should be pretty good. So now, uh, how long did you stay with the Dodger game once they got the 11 runs in the first? It's kind of like watching a car wreck. You know, yeah. you just want to see how far it goes, and then uh, you know what what the Astros put a couple of guys, excuse me, the, uh, the Rays put a couple of guys on, and the, uh, the Braves put a couple of guys on in the second, and then that was that. And then, you know, for me, it's like a blowout football game, John. A blowout's a blowout, and, you know, 13, 14 runs uh, lead. You know, you're not going to see anything change like that, so it's, it's tough to stay with it at that point. So in, instead of just uh, sitting there and watching, what, did you just go into the kitchen and get a snack? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Let's look, look, watch watch NFL Network. Uh, see where Le'Veon Bell's going. We can go back to that now. Yeah. Okay. So the, yeah, because it is interesting on the Le'Veon Bell front in the sense that uh, you know he uh, picked three teams. Ironically, that uh, you know he, he they're playing. So you kind of get the idea of a little bit of vengeful nature on him. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you, what favorite would you list in that group? Well, I think I mean, if, if for him it should be Buffalo. Because if he goes to Kansas City, he's not going to beat uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is probably going to be the rookie of the year. So you're taking a backup job. It's like, you know, the thought that Earl Thomas would come here to Seattle and take a backup job. It's like, that's not going to happen. So uh, if I'm him, I wouldn't go to Kansas City. The one, the one that surprised me he eliminated was Chicago. Chicago had the biggest need for a running back because they just don't have a starting running back that's any good. And so he turned down, even though they got the four and one start. But, you know, he went with Miami, which is a, not a good team. You know, he went with uh, Buffalo. I think that's the better fit. I'll be interested in seeing if that's what he does because you're, you're right. I mean, you would assume if he wants to play, that's where he's going to go. But, you know, and uh, 28 doesn't sound old, but we know for running backs, it's getting up there. I mean, 
you know, talking to Andy Reid and, and maybe saying, hey, look, we've got a spot for you to, to be a, to, to have some specialty carries. You're going to have a chance to make some big plays and, you know, we're the defending Super Bowl champs. So, you know, you can, you can be the piece that puts us over the top. Uh, I think that's, it's probably got some power to it as well, I would assume. It does, but uh, but that's that's the irony of it is that then you know you talk about uh, twenty eight being an old run, older running back. I was just uh, you know because I always keep track of how many current Pro Bowlers are on the fifty three man rosters of teams. You know how many uh, are left right now after the Jamal Adams trade and the release of Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley going as an opt out and not playing this season. You know how many the Jets have right now? How many? One. 37-year-old uh, Frank uh, Frank Gore. Oh. <laughs> and again, it's we like... We talked about... I mean, again, Hall of Famer, but he's 37. Well, I mean, look, they're 0-5. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, there's there's a reason for that, and, and uh, you know, that that speaks pretty powerfully to it. They just they just haven't figured things out there ever, it seems, in New York. No, it's it's just a, a really bad situation. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know again, I, I like... Uh, Adam Gaze, he's been good to me. His father-in-law, of course, is Joe Vitt, who uh, I've always had such great times talking to him and being around him. But, I mean, this thing is just a brutal. I mean, how he keeps his job, I just don't know. Well, it's, um, I mean, I guess if you're the Jets, what do you do? Make a change right now and, and, and concede that, you know, a year and a half into another new gen- – I mean – you know, the interesting thing is, you know, what happens, you know, when, when draft time comes around, if the Jets are, have a two and 14 or three and 13 season, I mean, they, they took Sam Darnold, but they just, they just, uh, round file him and, and go with Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, uh, and start over at quarterback. It's, um, it's a mess. That's for sure. It really is. And so, uh, well, I know one of the conversation pieces we had today is Chris Carson and what kind of a deal yeah. he should get. Uh, what kind, how do you look at, cause he, he thinks, and again, that's because of pride and how hard he works and all that. He's a top five back and he is a very good sure. back. He's a pro bowl caliber back, but what kind of deal do you think he can get? I think it's entirely dependent on the year that he has, John. I think it's entirely dependent on the year he has. I mean, he, if he has a great pro bowl year, the best year of his career, and that's what I, I mean, statistically the best year of his career, uh, no doubt a performance like that, then I think that the Seahawks may, you know, against, against type, you know, say, all right, we're going to, we're going to commit to you. But if that doesn't happen, I just don't see it happening at that position with uh, the depth that they have there right now. I just, I just don't see it. So he has got to have the best year of his career uh, to, to be in a situation to get a, to get a big contract from the Seahawks, whether that's fair or unfair. It's the way the NFL is, in my opinion, and it's the way it is with with uh, with running backs. So, uh, I think it's entirely dependent on the year he has, and he has to have the best year of his career. Or I think that they will probably be in a situation where they have to move on unless they can do some sort of uh, you know get get uh, I don't want to call it a hometown deal, but you know what I mean. Yeah, get a really good deal. So I'm thinking it's two years, sixteen million, or the franchise tag, because the franchise tag is going to be discounted because of the low cap next year. Good point. Yeah, I mean. Uh, unless unless he unless he, he goes out of the box, uh, that, that's you're probably right. I mean, he's probably looking at the tag because you're right; it'll be a, a lower number than it's been in the past. So, um, I hope he does well. You know, he's been a he's been a tremendous player, a tremendous draft pick, a seventh round pick overall. Uh, he fits what they want to do, and and you know, the only issue with him is staying healthy and not fumbling. And and he pulls that off this year. I think they'll they'll do what it takes to keep. Him. 
Yeah, they should because I think he he, he you can see how hard he works, how he's willing to sacrifice his body. But that's the one thing is like okay to get the big dollars, that's going to be a four or five year deal, and you know that the big money comes in years three and four because of the higher cap because of the TV contracts. But that's our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, what baseball starts at two today? Stay excited. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk again tomorrow. All right, sounds good. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow on the John Clayton Show, seven ten ESPN Seattle.